0: launching a new product, a line extension, or maybe you've just always wondered exactly what your target consumer thinks why they shop your website through their cutting edge and patented technology. Qualsites gives you unparalleled access to your consumers lives and thought processes. As you experience the world from their perspective, Qualsites is an immersive insights platform that empowers brands, consulting firms, and agencies to reveal life's meaningful moments and generate authentic insights from consumers on their terms, anywhere in the world. QualSites is the first and only truly integrated solution that seamlessly supports multiple research methodologies, blending the depth and authenticity of qualitative research with the speed and agility of quantitative research. In addition to offering a variety of options to capture data, QualSites expedites analysis by providing a powerful suite of AI tools that make it easy to find and present the insights that matter. If you're looking for a way to capture deep, authentic consumer insights, work with Qualsites, the company that Inc. Magazine just named number one fastest growing market research company in the U.S.
1: Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the little bird marketing company podcast. I'm so excited to always be bringing you new people to connect with and new ideas uh, to consider. And so today is no exception. I have Joe Lepore on with me from Mars Wrigley. We're going to talk about some very, very interesting things. And as where my heart always is, is in podcasting. We're going to end talking about a very interesting and innovative way to look at podcasts here in our industry So, Joe, welcome to Ponderings from the Birch.
2: Thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to be on your show, Priscilla. I'm a huge fan of everything that you do.
1: Well, somebody that we uh, love in common, Hunter from uh, Alpha Diver, put us together. And I love it when other people put us together because I feel like those are very conscientious people who say, you know what? I know you and I know you and this would be magic. (laughs) That's what happened.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Hunter is one of those people that I think can spot connections and he's been, he's been a great help to me as I've sort of settled into this new global role that I'm in when I've moved countries to help create connections for me. So I'm incredibly thankful for people like that that can help to create networks and strengths um, between people.
1: Yeah, he is very good for that. But you'll find that there's so many in this industry who are like that. So let's talk a little bit about those two things. Let's first talk a little bit about your role. And then we'll talk about some of the changes because we do want to invite people to network. And we'll get into that a little bit. But tell us then, uh, Joe, in your day-to-day over at uh, Mars Wrigley, tell us a little bit about the role. What does it really mean to be a global foresight lead?
2: Great question. Uh, And foresight, I think it's one of those words, it's kind of like a futurist when you say you're a futurist. I I envisage the future of chocolate is what I often say to people, (laughs) because it sounds really fun. Um, But in reality, it's all about bringing futures investments to a corporate setting, right? So global foresight um, essentially means that we're We're a team that's looking across a multitude of macro forces, micro trends, signals of change, and then bringing that, distilling that down into our Mars Wrigley business. And we look at everything across treats and snacks as a portfolio to basically say, what are the blind spots? What are the competitors doing? What are some of those things that consumers are adopting at a really early stage that could be a competitive advantage for us? Um, what are some of those investments we should be making today to set us up for the future? So I look at global foresight from a um, global perspective, but also looking specifically after the North American market. So -hmm. trying to bring that cultural understanding of what's really happening in America and Canada to the global investments that we're trying to make as a company, and then bringing that back down to the North American market to say, so what for you and what you should be doing in your market. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a, a, a brand new team and a brand new function inside of Mars Rickley dedicated to foresight. And I'm one of four, Um, And we're incredibly, incredibly lucky to be in this position where we're helping to guide the business um, to look further out. So like most CPGs, um, our business is very, very good at looking one to three years out. Foresight is really here to help business project further. So five years out, 10 years out. So we're often building narratives about the 2030 future or even beyond sometimes. So as you can imagine, it's incredibly fun work, incredibly exciting, but also has lots of challenges. Yeah, and you know
1: for the part where uh, people kind of get on market research case about it being just reporting the past. This is a case in point where this is not the only thing that is going on in market research. Of course, there's brand trackers and we want to know what people did and what they bought and why and, and understand, get a little bit deeper. But it, it, it's really that companies need this broad spectrum of market research. What happened in the past? What can we understand legacy about our brand? What is What are those driving key differentiators? But yeah, so much is changing. So let me hear your perspective a little bit about that. Um, Because we have just come through a massive change for consumers and I could say that it's changed I I think I would also use the word trauma. (laughs) I think we're all slightly traumatized by this global pandemic and certainly not to make light of it but I know that this has been very difficult. um, Also at the higher levels at, at these companies because so much is moving and changing and, and perspectives, consumer perspectives are shifting. So how does that affect you at, at foresight? I know that would be different for, you know, people who are really in, hey, what, what are we going to change tomorrow? But how do you see this
2: changed the big picture for you? Yeah, and, and it's such an important context, right? Because I think a lot of companies and a lot of business leaders are looking at things like futurism or foresight right now because of the pandemic. It's a great time to stop and go, how can that kind of capability Benefit my business, and uh, you know what we're saying. What, what we came out like right out of the gates saying is that the pandemic will change life as we know it. Um, we we definitely feel like there are some significant, long-lasting behavioral shifts in consumers that are likely to stick, particularly when we're looking at twenty thirty. So that's one thing that we said is, hey, this recovery is not going to take six months or even twelve months. And secondly, it's going to have some real repercussions, you know, in light of what you were saying—the the mental toll that it's taking on people, the real sort of restructuring of, you know, even how we work, how we live, how we enjoy ourselves, how we connect with people. Um, there's a real reevaluation um, of people's lives and what's meaningful to them and what's not. So. It has a real long lasting change, not necessarily in what people need, but in how they behave and how they act and the context of their world. And that's applicable in North America, but also in India, in China, all across the world. Mm -hmm. So that was a really important thing for us to foundationally come in as a foresight team and say, this is changing um, for the long term. And then, you know, the other two things that I would say, when we've seen studies in the past around foresight and what benefits foresight can give inside of an organization in, in a CPG or other, it's sort of three core things. And it's tackling the business issues that leaders are most concerned about in the sense that they feel least prepared to tackle these things. So one is what we just talked about, which is changing consumer behaviors. And you have a whole insights team that's dedicated to that, really looking at the past and the present. Not so much looking at the future, so that's where foresight can really come in and give you that you know foundational knowledge of human behaviors into the future. The second is around technological changes and advancements, and that's a really big um, you know complex topic. And technology inside of say a CPG that's making a Snickers bar, you know how how should they interpret that and where should they be making investments? But it impacts CPG, it impacts every industry. So really giving the business an understanding of how you can leverage technological change and how it impacts consumers at the spectrum of their life is really pivotal. And then the third one is intensifying competition. So we know that the competitive landscape is changing rapidly. And there's a lot of experimentation in that space as well. I mean, we've seen so many agile innovation models, you know, coming out the wazoo. So um, everyone's playing in that space. So the tricky part is for business leaders, you know, what are the insurgents doing that is likely to stay or why are they investing in some of those areas? So really helping them guide investments in the further out horizon based on what they're seeing competitors do and what they should be doing. So those are the three things that I mentioned. There's a whole host of others, but those three are really the areas that are most pertinent for business leaders to be prepared for. They're also the most impactful inside of businesses where they have a foresight capability Um, where they can generate better results. So that's one thing that we've done is really try to funnel the focus on the things that are the most critical for business leaders to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. This, the entirety of what you're talking to me about
1: tells me that you cannot be living in a siloed environment over at Mars Wrigley. You have to be communicating with everybody. Am I right?
2: <laughs> yes, and you know we have a collaboration culture inside of Mars Wrigley, so it's sort of ingrained in us to collaborate, to talk, to open conversations with. I mean, this morning we had a conversation with the corporate affairs team. Um, so we're we're talking to them. We're talking to you know the sinkers brand manager that I mentioned before. Um, we're even speaking to other parts of our business like pet care, the corporate setting um edge which is our technology arm food it's a it's a behemoth company it's actually you know much more than just treats and snacks and so connecting the dots between all of those functions is so critical for a business to really understand its current landscape and therefore where it can be more competitive
1: Mm-hmm. there's this this pro and con you mentioned that there's a lot of agile things that have come up and i know in in the food and bev you know there were a lot of um you know there were a lot of acquisitions going on earlier you know before covid with um you know new innovative approaches to food and natural foods and things like that and so on one hand you could look at mars and say oh it's got to be so amazing because you know they have all the resources they have, have all the brains over there but also like you said it's you know it's a gigantic ship and so this is very interesting to me because foresight is saying hey we we want to tell you the couple of degrees that you need to move because this is coming and we're going to have to start turning much, much sooner. And I, I really, I think that that analogy really suits, you know, what it is that you're doing there. And on one hand, people can say it's so much easier for them to innovate and whatever. No, it's also just as hard. You know, there are a lot of uh, cons, you know, to having such a large company and having, you know, really a, a large stake in, in uh, particular verticals too. So
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know that, you know, big businesses sort of struggle with more of that agile innovation, because you're building around efficiency. Um, And so being able to pivot really quickly and continuing to pivot, not just create one agile innovation and go, you know, that's done and dusted, but to continue to evolve and experiment This culture of experimentation is not naturally built into big companies. So I think we're trying it. A lot of other CPGs are trying it. And the most important thing is, you know, um, minimizing your upfront investment when you're talking about agile innovation. So that's where Foresight can really come in and help you do that, spotting the you know, what's on the fringe, what are the weak signals, you know, where, where is change coming from a consumer behavior perspective? And to your earlier point, you know, really partnering with the parts of the business that are actually instigating these projects and running them end to end. So we have a really great partnership with our innovation teams, our agile innovation insights teams, um, and some of those, um, you know, launchpad teams, the teams that are really looking at the innovation on the fringes to help give them that intel.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm going to come back to something else you said earlier. You mentioned it's global. So let's talk about that for just one second before we go on to some other things. But obviously, you have a fantastic accent. So you can come on my show whenever you want. (laughs) So You're not from around these parts. So tell everybody (laughs) a little bit about your actual journey, um, deciding to come here and work on the US and, and Canada market and what your global experience is.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'll start with a story. I love grocery shopping in America. <laughs> I I like I'm a kid in a candy store when I go grocery shopping. I just get a kick out of everything. And I was taking photos of all of the cereals that are on the shelves here inside of my shop right and sending them to my family and friends thinking, "I hope they find this as entertaining as I do because it just really took me back to when I was a kid and I used to think about living in America it was like a dream." So, I'm from Australia, obviously, as you can tell from the accent. Um, and, you know, America is a bit of a dreamland for a multitude of reasons, not just because it's just um, what I say high theater America is, you know, everything is theatrical, everything is immersive and there's no sort of middle ground, it's, it's here or it's over there and you can really immerse yourself into the culture and, and, and really feel alive for lack of a better term. Um, There's that. There's also the fact that America is, um, you know, just an innovator leading in so many ways. I mean, so much of the innovation and the innovative thinking and leadership comes from America. And obviously there's, there's more competition. So it's tough. It's a tough culture and people really work hard for their success here. You can gain that success if you if you really you know work your butt off. So I've always looked at America as a place that I've wanted to live and work. So for both of those two reasons, you know, to really enjoy myself while I'm here, um, and also to professionally sort of push myself and challenge myself. And so the opportunity came up for me to move into a global role, and I had a couple of other markets thrown at me, and like it was America for me all the way. Um, it's it's always been my number one. And I moved over here two months ago from Australia with my husband and my dog, um, living in an apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey. If there's anyone in the area, please reach out. I've, I'm just trying to make friends with absolutely everyone because I don't know anyone. And, you know, I, I count myself incredibly lucky that I moved inside of a pandemic as challenging as that was and continues to be. My family back home is in their sixth lockdown with COVID, Um, absolutely isolated and going through everything you mentioned at the start of the show. So here I am walking around exploring Manhattan with my dog and I just feel incredibly lucky and privileged to, to be here and I'm taking every opportunity that's thrown my way. Yeah,
1: well, you and I got connected because you wanted to reach out and get to know more people. And we have such an amazing, amazing um, collaboration amongst professionals here in market research world and marketing world. And so uh, this is just really another invitation to everybody to network, you know, get out and, and you, you need to lead with something that you can give. And really, you know, Joe got connected to me and we just ended up in just such an interesting and amazing conversation. You just don't know where things are gonna, you know, going to lead, but you do have to, make that effort and so i really appreciate that joe you know just saying let me just talk with you you're someone who's innovating you're someone who's doing something different can i learn a little something from you along the way and be you know careful and considerate to say what what is it that's something that i might be able to do for you in this case my audience would love to hear your story. And so this is something that's just a, you know, a dynamic trade, but I, I say this because I'm always trying to encourage within this industry for people to reach out. You know, sometimes someone would see a, a, um, a title like yours, you know, the global foresight lead and think, oh, I can't reach out to her, but this is case in point, you can. Joe. we'll talk with you.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness, I absolutely will. And you know what? I am in that boat every day. I randomly reach out to people on LinkedIn that have much more senior titles than me. And I just think, you know what? Why not? People are usually open to connecting and to to building um, professional relationships. So, learning from different industries and you know different levels of experience and mentorship, whether you're mentoring or you're a mentor, um, I find I found that that approach to what you're saying just uh, you know t- take off that uh, that layer of fear that you have in building professional networks um, and just go for it. I think. Um, you know, a quote often comes to my mind from actually William Wrigley um, from our company that, you know, fear is a great breeder of yes men. So only by bridging, uh, you know, out of your fear and, and doing what you're what you're truly passionate about as different as it may be, or as you know, scary as it may be only then are you going to generate some real differentiation. And that's what I've, I've really benefited from it, not just from, you know, making friends and figuring out where to get the best coffee in the area, um, but also in uh, bringing the outside in from a professional perspective. So building that network for Mars Wrigley and understanding how different industries, markets, categories operate, but also, For um, from the perspective of me personally and professionally, I love hearing like your experience and everything that you've gone through in building the company that you have. Um, I regularly meet with, you know, small startups, big companies that are starting new research methodologies or different ways of thinking um, or even, you know, collaborations that we have. We have a foresight council that's run by Ipsos and they have, you know, like the Bank of America on there and Disney. And I just love hearing all of those different perspectives um, I think it can really enrich our own way of thinking, just having those conversations.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I just had Maya Cantac on and she's from Disney, uh, from theme Park. So uh, get to hear from so many different people on this podcast also. But I really asked you on this because the thing that we have in common is podcasting. And uh, you were so funny when you reached out to me at 1st like, oh, I'm such a newbie at podcasting. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing is, is that it is a lot harder than people think it is. First of all, it's very time consuming, right? Uh, But on the other hand, I loved your approach was let's just do it. Let's do it. So tell us a story about how you started the podcast, what it is and what you're trying to achieve.
2: Yes, absolutely. Happy to. I'm happy to just constantly rattle on about the podcast. (laughs) So it's called Future Imagined. It's a foresight podcast dedicated to futures thinking and you can find it on any podcast channel. Thank you very much for the avenue to promote it. Um, You know, I, I was vehemently nodding when you were saying, you know, it's hard work before because it is. It's such hard work and it takes up a lot of time, but it's also so incredibly rewarding. You know, when you both um, create the connections for the people that are on the show and, and then you maintain those connections. That is invaluable. The conversations that you have and the content that, that we've created, I'm so incredibly proud of it. And then to get the feedback that we have from both our industry peers as well as you know industry experts and research agencies has just been um, an absolute honor. So we created it um, when we first started the Foresight team. So I, I basically put my hand up and said, I want to try this, you know, Foresight should be doing something different. We should be both, you know, understanding what mediums and platforms consumers are, you know, wanting more of, and podcasting is definitely one of those. Um, Secondly, we should be sharing our information in an engaging way. I don't want to do another white paper. I don't want to do another PowerPoint presentation as much as I love them. I want to do something different, something that really inspires people to think differently and something that's really low effort because foresight is a capability that we're trying to build and we're trying to inspire the right kind of foresight thinking so asking the right questions and you know thinking around different future scenarios but it's it's intensive and not everyone has to be a foresight expert so how do i get the information to them and that kind of thinking to them in a really low effort way so go for a walk is what we say to our associates at mars go for a walk um, you know, take your dog out and listen to our podcast for 30 minutes. It's, it's low effort, high reward. So we started it um, really just experimenting, um, sharing out. Uh, essentially, I had done a piece of work looking at five big shifts coming out of COVID-19 and post-pandemic. And I thought, how do I share these five shifts? They're really deep, complex topics. So let's dedicate an episode to each one. That's how it started. And then I thought, well, I want to bring the outside in. So instead of me just talking to myself on the podcast, I'll invite other people from, you know, whether it's Ipsos, we have had um, TikTok on there, Amazon, Disney, like I mentioned, PepsiCo, Institute for the Future, just bringing in the broad perspective on the topics, um, you know, bringing in the experts on those topics um, and then just having a conversation. So we have a, a company called Stories Company that polishes it and removes all of my arms and arms, Um, but it is a casual Um, unscripted conversation. So I really encourage all of the guests to just bounce ideas off each other and just, you know, bring a little bit of their personal selves into the conversation, as well as bringing the expertise on the topic that we have. So we've had 12 episodes so far, two seasons. We've just published um, our season close and 37 guests. So, I mean, I've, I've just been amazed um, connected to what you were saying before how open, everybody has been in collaborating on this podcast and not only that but the reason that we went public with it because the intentionality was for us to just share it with our business leaders inside of Mars but the amount of people that I had coming up to me saying can I share it with my company can I share it with my LinkedIn network Um, can I access it publicly Uh, was just tremendous so we decided to make it public Um, and it's yeah it's been received incredibly well and I'm, I'm really looking forward to building on that.
1: Yeah. Well, when, when I listen, this is what I'm thinking is that what we have in common is that you're in it for the learning. Yes. It just feels like the egos just kind of fall down and say, what, what can we know here? And what, what could we consider and what could be different? How could we not let The things that have happened uh, in the past and what has worked, failed or worked in the past, hold us back from really reimagining what what, uh, our company could be like. I think that's, it's super powerful. So Joe, I know you're trying to reach out to people and and get connected with people, but um, I, I just want to plug one more time, go check it out, Futures Imagined. And you can find it anywhere where you get your podcast. But um, you do need to reach out to jo and on her LinkedIn. It's uh, Joanna J O A N N A L E. P O R E. So I want you to be able to find her. But as you can tell, it would just be a very very easy conversation. Joe, is there anything like the the you know having come here to the U.S. and really getting involved in the U.S. and Canadian market researchers? You know, is there any other thought that you have for researchers trying to get involved today and trying to connect or look for something new? Do you have any piece of advice for them?
2: I mean, the it's the advice that I. Get you know, got given when I was starting out in the industry. I guess it's the advice that I still give myself every day. It's to follow your passion, follow what you're, what you're interested in, what you're personally inspired by. Um, it's usually the thing that you find missing in the industry or inside of your organization. It's that one thing that's probably quite a unique skill set that you can bring into it as well. So just follow that, be driven by that, and you know, link in and connect with people. That have that same passion, um, and build on it, and see see what it can bring you. Mine connected into that is just how do we bring more creativity and more imagination into what we do. I think market research and data analysis and all of these things might seem a little bit dry sometimes, but they don't have to be. You know, you can bring them to life in really inspired ways. Um, And as uh, C.S. Lewis said. Reason is the natural organ of truth, but imagination is the organ of meaning. So how do we bring more imagination into what we do? Oh, I love
1: that. That is so great. And and, you know, it's funny because one of my phrases I use a lot of times when I'm connecting with people on LinkedIn is I say, I'm trying to connect with you meaningfully. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a huge push, which is obviously why we've connected. Joe, thank you so much for taking your time, sharing this vision that you have, the passion uh, for really foresight and really helping other people understand, you know, how, how wide really market research can be. But more than that, just your willingness to really come out and say, let's collaborate, you know, let's, let's open things up. Let's, let's, let's de-silo everything and let's share some of our learnings. I really appreciate that, Joe.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Awesome. We'll go check Joe LaPore out on LinkedIn and connect with her. And if you live in Hoboken, please call her and tell her where the best coffee is. Yes, please. <laughs> awesome. From all of the birds here at Little Bird Marketing, thanks for listening. Have a great day. And of course, happy marketing.